Hi, everyone. My name is Gilbert Clark. I'm the Executive Chairman of Meridian Mining. We're developing the camp scale copper coal project uh, called Cabasal in Mato Grosso, Brazil. Uh, we're a resource development project and we are very excited about 2022. Gilbert, good to see you again. Saw you in December. Live! In in London, uh, that was that was quite nice. Uh, where are you now? So I'm either you're either driving a, a a lorry or you're in prison. Which is it? What have you got on there? No, no I'm um, I'm actually on I'm in San Jose Catamarcos, where we're at our offices. Basically, we've got full um, PPE equipment on when we're inside. It's a good chance I'll go out to actually out to the uh, drill site today, um, or I might have to cook dinner for the team tonight. 50, 50. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic! Hey, look, I wanted to, wanted to catch up with you. Uh, looks like we did see did see you in December, but you're you're on site, which is always nice to uh, take advantage of the situation and see people when they're out there. What, what are you out there to um, try to do? I mean, why why do they need you out there, and what what do you need to get from that visit? Well, we've you know we're, we're coming up to our first twelve month anniversary of field operations. We've only started the field operations in. in in March, and we've really grown the team and we've grown the project. So um, a couple of reasons, you know, it's, it's good to come out here and I just, I haven't, I haven't not seen my CEO in two and a half years, so got to see my CEO. So what we've achieved corporately in the last two years has, has been quite exceptional. Um, at the same time, I wanted to catch up with my engineering guys because we're gradually advancing the, the concept of the open pit and the development of Catasau. Um, But really, it's also just to get, you, when you're in my role, uh, it's not only about coming through and, and doing the corporate promotion, the corporate development financing, but it's also making my hand on the pulse of the company, um, speaking to my CEO, what's his concerns, what are his timelines and deliverables. So when I go to the, the greater investment community, they're saying, well, what's, what are you going to do in 2022? What are your times, time frames and what are your milestones for changing? Yeah, well, okay. Well, you know, so when we, we spoke in summer, you were just doing a raising, I think at 70 cents. You're now over about what, 105. That's that sort of level. So, you know, whatever that is, 40, 40 odd plus percent. Um, and every time that we've spoken, you, you, you continue to raise, you know, raise at, uh, in, in increased prices, which, which is good. That's as a shareholder, pretty much all I should care about. But I, I do want to talk about some of the, the operational things that you, you will be doing, some of the catalyst moments that I should be, um, looking out for of course seen you know various uh, uh, press releases around around drill results etc but how how are you piecing this together because I noticed that you um, you've offloaded offloaded the tin that's been farmed yeah. out right so you're cleaning up shops so what else are you doing well we, we announced we've extend, extended that expanded out our drill program by another 15,000 meters so this is because there's a couple of things there we've got to still quantify our, our historical data QV, but also, you know, we're still open to the northwest, we're still open to the southeast and the southwest. So what we're going to do, we're going to be expanding our drill program, um, infield drilling, and our from that program, what we're targeting is June, July this year is to publish our first 43-101. At the same time, I've completed an internal scoping study, it's non-public. So that was quite a, a re very reasonable document. We had that done by Senko. So you want to, once we've got our uh, 43101 first resource statement, because then begin the preparation to go straight into the PEA. And that we're actually doing the advanced preparation. You know, what equipment we're going to need, what personnel we're going to need, when do we bring these people on, and what's the budget to do that? 
So we, you know, it's not just we're a resource development company with a reasonable market cap, but now I'm going to make sure what are going to be the achievements throughout the year to justify growing that equity valuation. Right. Okay. And like I say, as, you know, as a shareholder, which I am, I think most people know that. Um, you know, we we can't complain, um, but we want to kind of a sense of you know, does does the management my management's mind change as the draw results come through? You know, your your, your copper and gold, obviously, we, you know, we, we're not going to talk about the zinc and tin um, today. Um, you're seeing what's going on out there in the marketplace. Obviously, pressed metals came off um, a bit last year under a lot of pressure over the last five, six months. Uh, copper, stories coming out of places like Chile, um, you know, that, that, is that an opportunity or, or do things like that scare you being in South America? I mean, what are, what are the conversations at the board at the moment? Um, well, what I like about being in Brazil, and this, I think the results we've achieved to date is we have a very supportive, not only environmental legislation, corporate legislation, but mining legislation. And I can actually deploy my capital knowing that my shareholders are going to benefit from the full wealth that I create. Um, so even though we're seeing, uh, it, it's a really interesting question and it's been posed many times, and is Catasal a copper gold project or is it a gold copper project? Because the cash flow, when I look at sort of the cash flow, the contribution to cap, potential cash flows, it's depending on the commodity price, it's either 55% theoretically, 55% copper, 45% gold, or is it 45% copper and 55% gold? It's we are a natural hedge for the commodity cycles. Okay. And, and now when I look at the costs, the projected, what I think are projected costs for internal again, um, even if there's fluctuation in the pricing, we have a viable long-term project. You know, we, we're not having to develop something at a thousand years. We're not having to develop something where there's no infrastructure. We are in a, a very fortunate location. Right, but, but the, the the point is that the drill bit is throwing up, you know, equal equal amounts of of gold and mm -hmm. copper. You're not sort of your decision making won't uh, decide whether you become a copper company or a gold company at the moment. Just the way it's coming out of the ground, there's, it's, there's just a natural hedge depending on price. That's as sim simple as that. Yeah, very much, Matt. And uh, I think the, the the processing that we we when we put the metallurgy, we can great things. We look at the historical production data. So when I did the the deal, the traction was a deal that I had so much historical data that de-risks the project going forward. It, it doesn't really affect us. We, you know, I think if you're a gold a gold institutional investor but once exposed to the base metal, it's your natural hedge. Um, uh, it, it's it's a, a very curious question, and I, I really I, all I can think how to respond is I think we'll have a, a, a long term cash positive project. We have to then justify that by producing those technical reports that investors need to have in their hands, and that's what we have to do this year. Give those substantial reports so they can make a quantitative decision of what we've been communicating to them the last twelve months is actually factually correct. Okay, so the, the thing, things I'm looking forward to for this year is obviously, okay, resource. Let's get an idea of the scale as as it sits today. I guess it won't be the last resource you produce. And the second thing is obviously what you've been working on a scoping study um, last year to feed into a PEA this year, um, Q2 and Q4 respectively uh, for, for those things. So, you know, is, has that changed? Will, will, will you extend that depending on what the drill, drill results come back with? The only thing that will, will impact uh, that that schedule is going to be 
if like we, we're sitting quite a nice extension um, in this eastern copper zone, which is immediately to the southeast of the mine, I want to have that resource closed off. And then what we're seeing in northwest extension is the, the mineralization at the very northwest is trending now to the west. Now, do I continue to just follow it now? So at, at a certain stage, we're going to have to say, right, that's the limit of a new service resource, and we, we then calculate on it. That's what I see as the main impact on, on timing. Um, we are engaging with a couple of engineering groups um, that we might be part, because the schedule that we see is, is it's quite active over the years to come, the, in the very short term. You want to make sure that you associate yourself with the correct engineering firm going forward. We, 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 the quality of our data is, again, that's fundamental to any future project. You've got to make sure that any inputs you put into your project of the highest level, because if you put bad inputs into a project, the outputs are bad. And in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some unfortunate where bad inputs have gone into a model, people have invested and it hasn't actually worked and you get negative outputs. So we've got to focus on the continual high qualities. Absolutely. And, and and this is what I want to get into with you in terms of, you know, the building blocks you put in place today and the and how you build build on those. You know, one of the things you're doing is you're you're picking up a bit more um lands, right? You you're we and and, and two, two thoughts here is like, well, that's a sort of hedge for the future of blue sky, or it could you know delay the resource because you you think that you can do something with that to make sure your first resource is, is of a certain size. So Again, what, what was the what was the idea there picking up that, okay. that property? It's actually um, it's a little bit of thinking that uh, I guess it's really again it's not what the, the is junior caps um, typical junior cap management or board has the capacity to think of. So while we we, we with the first um, purchase agreement for Cabasel, it's over four or five years, it's about eight point seven five million, and that was for approximately sixteen thousand hectares of of ground that had. 70,000 metres of drilling, um, geophysics known, historical resource, metallurgical projects, environmental impact. So we had a quantified, but there was an economic, potential economic interest and mass of, of untenured ground. So we picked up another 15,000 hectares. So we went from having 35 kilometres of strike to 55, approximately 55 kilometre strike belt. We went from having 35 now having 50 kilometres of that 55 kilometre belt. So what that means, and you, you can see it in our tenement map, there's a few small empty parcels get perspective, but they're no longer what I consider the independent standalone viable assets. These are, we might need them in 20 or 30 years time. So for me, there are 20 or 30 year discount on any transaction to require them. I've taken that away the ability for competing interests. Um, and that's really important. And, why I saw a really good example of this is what we announced um, just this week, where we announced the um, the potential for the Saint Helena to be a satellite open pit operation. Now the Saint Helena might have the potential to be three or four million tons, you know, best case scenario, quite high grade, reasonable grade, but it wouldn't have the independent economic mass to be a standalone asset. But when I integrate that into the potential larger scale have a sale operation as a small high grade feed, economically it will work. And that's what a VMS belt is. You have macro assets and smaller assets that feed into it. And this is what we've brought to the market now. This is really quite a key junction in the project the last couple of weeks where we've 
secured all the economic upside of the belt, potential economic upside. And now by looking at St. Helena, you say, okay, that asset, typical junior asset, small tenement, high grade, by itself, uneconomical. Integrate that into a belt scale development, and all of a sudden you've got multiple feedings of high grade, either larger or smaller. And between St. Helena and the Cabasano deposit, we've got a mine problem that's some eight kilometres between the two mines or thereabouts. We are seeing multiple upside now. Like we, we've just announced that uh, one of the highest grade solar models might create, certainly 80 degrees, you know, an eight grand solar model. That's part of a three and a half grand, three and a half kilometer geochemical anomaly that's only two kilometers to the southeast of the Cabasal model. This is what we've been to the market. We have a belt scale asset, predefined resource in, uh, mineralized envelope that we're now making compliant. And the smaller satellite operations, they become economic now if the, the main capital deposit comes in the line of production. So you're, you're seeing a, 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 a snowballing of valuation growth on assets. If you're a standalone, say you had one of these assets in Flimflon, not going to work, it's not big enough. But now, integrated into a larger production facility, it's interesting. And th these small moves that you're, you're making, that's what I'm, I'm, I like observing and, and watching the way that you're kind of crafting this in a way, is mm. like, for instance, if, if, if I take the uh, amendment to the uh, capital option agreement, right, with, with the vendor. So I'm, I'm saying, you know, shareholders looking in and going, well, we're happy. We, we're happy because things are moving up, right? You're doing things in the right way and creating, creating value. Not super seller, you know, hockey stick stuff, but nice, steady, creative growth. The vendors too must have that view with you because you were able to free up a lot of um, cash by renegotiating that option agreement. Just do you want to tell us about that and you know, why you yeah, felt well, you were able to? We're a, it, it really involved in a longer strategy and what the announcement we, I think, last week, um, that, that journey to make that announcement actually commenced in July of last year. We made an approach to the, uh, the TSX because we, we see ourselves as having a maturely very positive asset of substance. And the venture exchange is a good exchange, but it's a venture. And we'd like to uh, grow our equity value on a stronger exchange. And the main board of the TSX is, is, a, is, a, is a mature, stronger board. I think our liquidity will stay the same. We've had fantastic liquidity. I think we did 140 million shares last year, but great growth on a very small portion of our uh, issued capital. So what we needed to do, we had to have a budget um, for 18 months of cash on hand to meet the, the minimum requirements to develop the capital project. And one of the biggest blocks of our cash was this 1.75 million US that we assigned for the first vendor payment. So what we said went to the vendors. We said, this is in the interest of your, because they've also got vendor shares, you know, potential shares, common shares in Meridian. I said, this is really in your interest because if I take away that, or delay that payment until August, 2023, that frees up capital to deploy into the project and allows them to meet the financial requirements to apply to the TSX to migrate onto the main board because they've then got the cash on hand. Because you, it's not when they look at when the main board looks at you, they say, okay, what is your cash on hand? 
um, what's your budget? And we're not going to look at what your options and warrants. We don't care if you're in the money. We want to know if you've got the cash on hand to be stable for 18 months. So we had to, so we went to the vendors and said, look, this is in your interest. It's going to benefit your shares. You're a stronger exchange. And we don't have to raise money to, to like today to have the cash, the, the necessary cash on hand to go to the main. They said, yeah, we see the sense of this. This is in our- but explain, explain that to us. Okay, so us, us, us um, poor family officers and retailers who don't know anything, uh, where, you, <laughs> where you go, look, I can free up some cash, go onto the main board. It's a stronger board, but you've got to believe that people you know, on that board are going to be interested in you, and therefore you may benefit mm-hmm. from increased trading, and that's going to drive the share, the share price, et cetera, et cetera. All that kind of goes up. Or stick it in the ground, keep coming up with good results, and you know, you know, see some share well, trading and liquidity and appreciation that way. So the money could have been spent in two different ways. You've, you've gone a financial mm-hmm. route. What, what, just tell me the difference that you saw. Well, the, the, the 1.75 wasn't actually going to go, it was actually, a, it is a, a financial payment to the vendor. It does not go into the ground. No, but my point is, hasn't that cash been freed up now? Oh, it frees up the budget. So we right. now mean that with our 18-month budget project, if we had actually included into that 1.75 million payment, which is due in the third, fourth quarter of this year, yeah, then that means I wouldn't have had 18 months of free cash flow to fund what, which is a requirement on the GSX to go onto the main board. I, I know, sorry. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to clear it up in my mind. It's like the, the point you've, you've had a negotiation with the vendor and said, right, we'll defer payment with your permission to August 2023. Uh, that frees up some cash. And your, your choice then was, what do I do with it? I know you walked in the discussions knowing what you wanted to do, but why did you decide the TSX route versus if I'm, free, if I'm freeing up that cash, not stick it in the ground? What, what was that discussion? Uh, there's a couple of things you have to look. Well, one of the first things, um, when you're attracting uh, institutional clients, to, to, to buy your equities and your securities. Um, and I was I knew this from my own experience. There is a, a hesitation. There's a reason to say no. Um, one can be liquidity, one can be market cap, and one can be what exchange you're on. So there is some funds out there, good strong funds, long-term sticky money. They're not going to put money onto the TSX fee. Now, one of the reasons why that is, is if you're a TSXV company, you can have unlimited dollars in, in capital raisings. Um, Meridian, actually, our board is very focused on equity management. We actually made a cognizant decision that we'd never actually, we'd have an internal limit of never doing any capital raising above 20%. Now, when we go to the main board, you can never go up and do a, a capital raising that is above 15% dilution unless you go in an extraordinary general meeting. So it's, it's a more secure board for institutional investors and it's a more secure board for, for retail investors because their ability for the, um, if you're on the TSXV, the ability for high dilution occurs on the TSXV by comparison to the main board. Okay, so, th- so that says in terms of timing for next Raise because I know you raised obviously we, was ten point four last year wasn't it I think yeah we raised ten point four yeah um, it was uh, that was a, a market to do we had great support from Beacon Securities uh, CIBC PI uh, and Cormac that was really yep. good um, again that when we go we are we dependent on of course capital raisings 
Um, I think the next phase that we'll do will be some form of short-form prospectus that will be in the future sometime, a date to be determined, depending on market conditions. But that's it. So when we did the, uh, the first capital raising, it was at seven cents and it came to the half or the four-month hold on the securities. And then did the next capital raising at 20 cents or so first with a full warrant, second with a half warrant, again with a four-month hold. And that's, the four-month hold is always, unless you're really long-term sticking money, it's, it's a problem. And then the last one, we did 70 cents without a warrant. So each time we've done a capital raising, higher price, less dilution, less, um, and a more de- advanced and de-risk project. Now it's the ability of Catasol to deliver those results to demonstrate, guys, this is going to grow. Um, I have my feeling, and I've discussed it with my bankers and guys, when we go to our next capital raising sometime in the future, um, I think we'll do it with a short form prospectus so that um, institutional investors who are, of course, equity managers have got tradable stock. That's, that's great. And, and it's in a form, generally in these type of guys, you, if we attract the correct investors, they're going to hold this stock. It would be very, I mean, Matt, we've talked about this many times. Uh, fundamentally, I'm an equity manager and I keep very good control on the equity because if you lose control of the equity, you lose control of your ability to, to control the growth of the stock. Right. We know what some of the targets are for this year resource PEA. Yep. Do you then bail out? What's the, what's the, how, how long are you? And the team you've assembled well, hanging around. If, if I was if I was developing a, a copper porphyry, a big copper porphyry, um, I know straight away that my the ability of a small cap junior to raise the equity component on a project build, your equity just gets wiped. Bang, forget about it. And any some lot of companies promote it really well, but the fact of the matter is, the say be it a sixty percent debt to equity raising or whatever, um, it, it, the equity work gets wiped out. We know this. Um, the beauty of what we have here and the numbers that I'm, I've both calculated internally and the numbers that we've had from the engineering firms, the, we know that the ability of the equity component for future project finance development is within the ability of small cap juniors. Um, so, of course, we are a, a public company. We can be brought out. Overriding all my decisions is the purchase agreement for Cabasel. I have to build that mine. So my focus is going through all the phases of de-risking to build the mine because that's what I have to do because that, that's the purchase agreement. Um, and I have to do it in a manner that is of minimal dilution. Uh, my mind is to minimise the dilution of existing shareholders. That, that's fundamental. Timely capital raising so we've got sufficient funds to deploy and have the management team to prepare in advance and expand it. When I go to deploy the capital, it's in a cost-efficient, non-wasteful manner. That's what we're doing. Um, when, but when I look at the, the longer-term picture of these type of deposits, and I, I draw reference on, on comparable VMS camps, you know, these are multi-decade producing assets. They are net-free cash flow open pit, net, I mean, they're fantastic assets to have. And the value on uh, a large and mid-tier company to have an asset that they say, look, for the next 30, 40 years, hypothetically, this is going to be cash flow positive, and that is to have that come under our books when we're mining mature or declining assets, transaction value on this is, is 
very interesting. So Unfortunately, what, I know what that transaction value is. <laughs> I know, I know. Given given your given your history and your training, uh, you, you you should. And what you know, I would like is to see you guys starting to give guidance as to how you go about creating a company or putting the company in the best possible position to mm-hmm. to benefit from a multi-decade uh, mine. Let me just come come back to now though, which is um, the money you raised last year. Your ambition to get on the TSX this year? Did you say this year or is it? Uh, look, we we've submitted our documentation. We 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 have to sort of show that we have a maturely viable project and mature project interest to the exchange. They're going to make their own independent assessments. Um, it'll be a fantastic scenario if we are on the main board by. Uh, uh, end of March, they might fast track us. It's entirely up to them, but we we work with their regulations, their time zones. Potentially first half. Okay, I'm um, fine. So, and given the given the constraints uh, for that, does that leave much capital available to actually move things along on the ground? Because you've got to get that oh, balance right. Okay. So, it's, what are yeah, those things we, that we're looking towards apart from resource and and PEA? We came into the. The start of the year, we had about 11 and a quarter million Canadian. Uh, we had an additional 3.8 million Canadian uh, coming. We, we couldn't actually budget it, but we've got warrants that are, depending on what warrants they are, they're either 10 or five times in the money, three and a half times in the money. And that brings in an additional 3.8 million Canadian. So that takes us up to you know nearly $15 million Canadian. Um, so we're pretty well financed. We're, we deploy our money very carefully. <laughs> we don't just, you know, we, we, we don't deploy our investors' money and it's my money too because I've written a check in every raising as has the board. Um, yeah, we're very well funded, Matty. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable about it. You know, we'll always judge the market conditions, the interest. Um, if we see an attractive investor that we think would be really supportive for the long term, I think always take in context what their requirements are. Um, and we've had fantastic support from our existing institutional investors. We, we, I have a lot of dialogue with them to say, you know, what's your expectations? Uh, and, and be it an investor that has you know, 10,000 shares, a small investor, I take their phone calls and I address their concerns. We had a couple of exchanges this week about the, um, in February, having the frequency of news releases. And that was just circumstances. It wasn't intended, just there was a couple of statutory regulations, statutory announcements I had to do, there were a couple of things corporately that had to be announced, so we had to put them out. Um, but I think going forward this year, just on communication and, and achieving these milestones, um, my expectation is we'll bring, reduce the amount of frequency of news releases, maybe one or two a month, um, unless it's a material update. Um, and each quarter, um, there'll be a very good MDNA. But the, the financial situation in the company is very strong. Okay. Look, Gilbert, um, I'll leave you to crack on because I know, like I say, you're, you're on site, got things to do, people to see, et cetera. Uh, great update. We'll see you soon. Um, keep doing what you're doing, please. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for your time, mate. It's great to be on the show again.